Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and today I have a guest for you. His name's John Westra, and today we'll be discussing how you could stay motivated in an increasingly dystopian world. And we've been rebranding ourselves into the metaverse, and all these things are kind of happening. And I wanted to invite John here, who could bring a unique perspective to everything. Uh, for the past two years, it's been pretty difficult. COVID's been going on. A lot of people have been staying home. Life has kind of changed and turned upside down. John, do you want to talk more about those challenges? Well, I think I think all of us have experienced this being cut off in many ways from, you know, the support networks that we have relied on to help keep us centered and, you know, hold us accountable. Uh, accountability, of course, you know, Leonard, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, your your book, Ditch the Act, and accountability is a big part of that. Um, so suddenly this this fabric of society has been rent from a lot of those accountability and motivational uh, relationships that we've had. And at the same time, we're finding ourselves being kind of inundated with this new thing called the metaverse, which is asking us to immerse ourselves in a synthetic reality with all new relationships and all new rules and really the opportunity to recreate ourselves in this digital, in these digital personas. Um, personally, I have, despite being involved in, in VR and AR now for more than a decade, um, I've been really cautious about that and have found for me that even though I cannot necessarily connect the same way that I have in the past with people, that those connections are even more important. Yeah, and I think that, uh, uh, Go ahead. Maybe for our listeners who might not know exactly what the metaverse is, can you kind of describe what it is a little bit so they could get a little bit more in-depth detail of what it is, when it was started, and give some background on that for a little bit? Sure. I'll try and keep that. I'll try and keep that uh, forty thousand feet. There, first of all, there are a lot of people um, who have different opinions about the metaverse. Um, there's a couple of companies. We've all obviously been exposed to Facebook and recent news from Mark Zuckerberg that he really wants to rebrand his company uh, to be a company that is promoting this concept of the metaverse. So definition-wise, the simplest definition is the metaverse is the digital um, greater world worlds of experience beyond our physical reality and overlapping that physical reality. So if you have an avatar uh, in Altspace VR, you are in that part of the metaverse, that virtual world within that greater metaverse. So it would be like putting on like maybe like an Oculus headset, going into like a virtual reality world and like walking around, kind of like that uh, movie that came out recently, Save Guy? 
Exactly. And prior to that, Ready Player One, based on the book by the same name, which really um, was preceded by the book Snow Crash, where the term metaverse was first used. Yep. Cool. So now that this is being created, like, when did the metaverse... When did people start working on it, and like, how far along has it come so far? Well, I mean, the the overall architecture of the metaverse has really been around for twenty five plus years. Um, as a former member of the U.S. Air Force myself, uh, that was an example of one of the first organizations that started to look at using simulation using 3D, big, huge, bulky 3D headsets to provide their pilots with an artificial environment in which to train. And in fact, training and simulation are probably the number one use of virtual reality. So 25 years ago, these balls started rolling. Um, You had environments like uh, Second Life, uh, a VR platform, 2.5D VR platform that really started getting people thinking about existing in virtual spaces. And it's been in the last seven years, really, that we've seen, you mentioned the Oculus headset, um, has you know become a consumer-accessible virtual reality device uh, that allows people to visit these virtual spaces and engage in these, in these virtual activities. So it's, it's it's been around for a long time in its formation. It's the last five to ten years where things have really accelerated. Huh. That's interesting. So a lot of people who might have a headset have kind of gone into this to see what's gone on, but then um, it's been evolving as time has gone by, and they're putting more and more layers to it. Absolutely. Um, the You know, there are some... Super interesting um, things being done. Everything from uh, Walmart using VR headsets to train their uh, onboarded employees and uh, experiencing tremendous success with giving people virtual representations of the tasks that they're going to perform and the, and more important than the tasks, the types of exchanges they're going to have with their customers to prepare them for those real-life experiences, to architects using uh, virtual reality and augmented reality to be able to share with their clients exactly what the homes or the businesses that they're, or the cities even that they're creating uh, are going to look like before a single brick has been laid. Huh. So a lot of the progress has kind of been made in this world. Um, so with all these things going on, like with Facebook making this decision to kind of move into the metaverse and becoming a dominating leader in the force of the area, what do you kind of see that looking like? Well, I, obviously it's the thousand or, you know, people talk about a 500-pound gorilla. I think with, with Facebook we can talk about a thousand-pound gorilla that has dominated the 2D social uh, space uh, for the last 10 years. Um, the fact that they are moving with such speed and with huge amounts of capital into this metaverse creation mode 
Um, I, I, you know, it's a, for somebody like me who's a huge um, believer in the positive potential of virtual and augmented reality, uh, having an entity like Facebook at the helm, and I think everybody's aware of some of the challenges in terms of everything from privacy to manipulation of discussions uh, for whatever purpose. Uh, it's concerning because in VR, for those who haven't experienced it, and I encourage everybody to check it out if you haven't, but in VR, you are immersed. In fact, as the term immersion is a big part of this discussion. You're immersed in an environment where all of your senses are being engaged and you are being presented with information that is not just something that you're reading and evaluating it as you read it, but now you are experiencing this reality of information firsthand with your eyes and your ears, uh, and you can even, in, in more advanced systems, you know, reach out and touch the objects that you encounter in VR. So my concern is that people, uh, two main concerns. Number one, and this goes back to your book, Leonard, that people have a much, and, and brands and organizations have a much greater capacity to misrepresent who they are and what they are in a synthetic environment. So that's concern number one. Concern number two would be for people who engage in this environment that the opportunity to become immersed and neglect real-world authenticity, responsibility, accountability, I'm concerned about that. Yeah, those are definitely two big challenges. So with the first one, because this metaverse is brand new, someone could basically go on there and be anything they wanted to be. They could be an alien, they could be six foot tall, they could be super pretty, they could be someone completely not who they are, or they could be themselves, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. So I, I'm a I'm a great I'm a great example of that. My day to day avatar, uh, and if you go on my Twitter Twitter feed, that you know my avatar on Twitter is my VR avatar, um, and it if you were to look at a picture of me and look at a picture of my avatar side by side, you'd immediately be able to recognize and say, Hey, yep, that's John. Uh, they look alike, or they look like at least like brothers. But it's almost Halloween. You know, I also have a nine-foot-tall demon that I run around in, depending on what I'm doing, you know, in some of these virtual spaces. Now, are both of those avatars representative of me? Yes and no. Uh, you know, one is, one is me, definitely. One is a fun thing for me to be when I'm running around with friends. I think the challenge happens when... You have people, and, and we've seen some of the feedback that, again, going back, that don't mean to beat up too hard on Facebook, but we've seen some of the feedback that has come back where a young, uh, specifically in the case of this, this particular feedback, young women were negatively impacted 
by how they perceive themselves in a 2D social media space. Now we're in a space in VR specifically where these there's a tremendous amount of pressure for people to look a certain way and and what you mentioned you know look pretty or have designer clothes in VR you know where the brands are obviously Adidas wants everybody in VR to wear Adidas VR tennis shoes or Nike or etc um and I think those kinds of social pressures uh, set the stage for some, some negative feedback loops that I would like to see us find a way to avoid. So the challenges are that people could go out there and I guess for lack of a better term is go and kind of flex onto these social sites or this metaverse and act as if they're better than, uh, not really better, but uh, more culturally something as opposed to being like who they truly are. Exactly. And, and I think that speaks to, you know, ditching the act and being yourself. I, I, I am an advocate of that. Uh, warts and all. I, people who know me say I'm an acquired taste. Um, largely probably because yeah, I tend to, uh, being an old Star Trek guy too, um, you know, I, I believe in this concept, a you know, Romulan concept of radical candor. Well, that's not necessarily a popular way to approach life in the culture in which we currently live. Uh, that, you know, specifically cancel culture I'm referring to. But again, back to the VR discussion, can we find a way to, within these, this new metaverse space, these new virtual spaces, can we find a way to be authentic, even if we look like a seven-foot purple dragon? Yeah, that makes sense. But then uh, I have a question. Like, let's say, let's say you're in this metaverse and you're wearing like a Balenciaga hat, you're wearing like a Givenchy sweater, you're wearing like designer shoes and you go out there, but these are things that you could like never afford in your real life situation. Like what kind of impact would that have where you're living in this metaverse and you're kind of like exactly who you always wished you could be, but in real life you're nothing like that. Isn't that going to cause like depression and all these other things and make people like avoid it in real life? That's that one of those concerns that I mentioned. And I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I, you know, there is some real serious discussion about that going on. Um, you know, do these same uh, impressionable, perhaps, um, you know, not necessarily as strong individuals, strong in individuals in these virtual spaces, does it become easier for them to uh, play the act rather than ditch the act? You know, uh, all the meta to, to, to loosely quote, um, you know, Shakespeare's as you like it. Um, and, and, you know, Jacques said, you know, all the world's a stage, in the opening line and, you know, we're, we're just playing a part you now, actually all men and women merely players, but 
in this metaverse, all the metaverse is going to be, it already is, and it's becoming more of a stage. And, you know, all the people, merely players, what parts are they going to play? Are they going to be authentic? Or are they going to be, attempt to be, something other than authentic? And what kind of damage does that do? And you're the expert there, so I'll defer to you in that. Well, I I mean, I talked about, like, superficial things that people could actually acquire, but then when you go into things like height, looks, eye color, and different things like that, that just becomes a completely different story, and it gets people to distance themselves so far from reality. And what I see this doing is it's potentially going out there and pushing people away from going out there and being uh, active in their actual real-life situations and uh, gets them closer and closer into sticking into a uh, metaverse type environment and potentially getting stuck there, which disassociates them from reality and uh, even makes it for- harder for them to integrate back into real life situations when it comes to things like dating, when it comes to things like work, being around family, going out and enjoying regular types of entertainment, going to the beach, and so forth. I think it's a huge risk, and I think it's and I think it happens. I, I I absolutely believe that. Um, you know, it, it's the cliche of the gamer in the basement. <laughs> um, and I think COVID has. We started the conversation talking about some of the challenges that we've had these past twenty four months. You know, COVID has kind of been a catalyst for people who weren't living in the basement before to find themselves there. And if you're in an environment where, yeah, you can, you can afford all of the brands that you normally can't uh, in your physical life, uh, you can be friends with beautiful people uh, that, you know, your, your real world friends, you know, aren't that beautiful, um, you know, which do, you, which do people choose? And if it becomes an easy choice or an easier choice to be unauthentic rather than authentic, how much damage is that doing both to the individual but also to, you know, society as a whole? Yeah, that's definitely a great question, and we could get more into that after our commercial break. Uh, John, where can people find you online? Uh, best place to find me is at John underscore Westra uh, on Twitter. It is probably the easiest place to find me and that radical candor that I mentioned before. Cool. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And we'll, we'll be back after this commercial break. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with John Westra. Uh, earlier in the session, we've been talking about a lot of the potential challenges that going out and creating a fake image could really put uh, Put off if you're stuck into the metaverse and so forth. And John asked, uh, he kind of mentioned in the last two years, a lot of people because of COVID have been able to go and find escapes where they kind of go into, into the metaverse and so forth because of so much time being spent at home. And he brought up a question like, what kind of challenges could this face? Uh, with a lot of people. Um, I wanted to kind of shed a little bit of insight on what happened about two years ago in the YouTube world. A lot of influencers, top creators and all that, they kind of all gathered together and they started sharing a lot of the struggles that they had while creating their YouTube careers because a lot of them had to stay on brand, stick to the same script, tell the same types of stories, and they were going over a lot of the challenges that they faced. They were kind of going out there and dishing the act and opening up about the struggles that they kind of go through and they feel so stressed out about keeping up to the standards they kind of get bored because they're kind of getting so it's becoming more monotonous to do the same things they're finding more areas of stress and struggle than they did when they lived regular lives before and a lot of these challenges do emerge because they created a persona for themselves and they have to kind of stick to that persona and it kind of disassociates them from being their true selves. And while they're making careers out of it, a lot of them inside genuinely aren't finding that true happiness that they've always wanted to seek out and instead find themselves in this loop where they're constantly going out there and creating things more for their fans and their followers as opposed to truly doing something for themselves. And 
when we kind of talk about these things where you could go out there and be like a nine foot like demon or something like that in the metaverse like John does, like while that could be fun for a time, he also has a secondary avatar, which is more in tune to who he truly has is himself uh john do you want to talk about what it's like to have maybe those two different avatars and what you feel about that well the the primary avatar and actually the primary avatar is the is my humanoid form looks you know you'd identify if you looked at it you looked at a picture of me you go yep i have those two things match there's congruence there um that those secondary or in the in the parlance of of the VR world alts uh, alternative avatars, you know, really comes from the gaming world. Um, you know, if anybody who's played World of Warcraft, for instance, obviously um, you're an orc. <laughs> if you're playing World of Warcraft, um, or you know, if you're if you're playing Halo. You know, you are a soldier in a soldier's garb, and you don't look like yourself because obviously you've got a helmet on and so on. So, I guess in if in a role playing or a gaming kind of a context, having an alternative appearance and so on that fits the gaming environment or the the role playing environment that you're in, um, we. Like I say, Halloween's coming up. You know, we we everybody does that almost uh, once a year. Um, people who you know go to Renaissance fairs and those kinds of things. You know, that's that's part of that. But it's that core avatar. It's that who we represent ourselves as at our core, where the questions start to come up of things like, um, is this does this avatar represent who we are in quotes or who we perceive ourselves to be uh is this person um for instance representing themselves as uh and this is real controversial stuff but hey uh is this person representing themselves as the gender they were born into or from many people's perspective is this avatar representing them as who they genuinely feel they are? And when you encounter someone, whether it's uh, in business or in a personal setting, when you encounter someone representing themselves in a particular way, how much can you infer and should you even, about that person based on their appearance? Um, is, is there authenticity in the sense of, is this really representative of who this person is, their values, their beliefs, their, you know, those things that make up who we are? Or is this person representing themselves as something other than they are, for some nefarious pur- purpose. And that gets, that's exponentially harder in virtual spaces than it is in physical spaces, in my opinion. So, uh, what, what do you think um, should be, what's your thoughts about that? Um, what specifically? 
Um, like, like you're kind of talking about like the challenges where people could kind of go out there and do things like uh, nefariously, and some people want to do things just for fun. Like, I see that bringing up a ton of different potential challenges that people could face. Like. Let, let's say someone wanted to go out there and be nefarious with what they're doing. Like, what does that kind of do to the world of the metaverse? Well, I think it erodes trust. And, you know, I think that we have, as a society, we have these tremendous challenges right now. And they've existed for thousands of years, but it seems as if the they have been catalyzed quite a bit by the past in the past 24 months so we've got these challenges where we don't we have 50 percent of the population that doesn't like or trust the other 50 percent of the population and if we now uh throw in this idea of okay tribalism um where hey, you don't look like me, um, you're not of my clan, I am therefore your enemy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a piece of it. I think the idea of just uh, in, a, in a social setting, um, is the person that I encounter who they really are? Um, and how do I... How do I and it's a really difficult thing. How do I come to an opinion about someone's uh, persona, who they are, if all of my visual cues are distorted uh, or distortable, you know, where I have no visual cues? Well, the good part of that is, and I've experienced this personally in, in virtual worlds, the good part of that is, well, you got to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work, and you've got to get to know this person based on talking to them and finding out what their values are and finding out, you know, are they trustworthy by telling them a little secret and see if it goes, you know, if it goes anywhere besides them. But those, that's, that's real serious relationship, relationship work that bypasses me being able to, and again, this is, this is going to be you know, judgmental, but candid. You know, if I come across someone who um, is obviously drunk, I can see that they are drunk when I encounter them. I am going to give that person a wide berth in, in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, if that person is drunk behind an avatar that gives me no clue that they are intoxicated, is that a problem? Is it a problem in terms of my interaction with that person? What I trust them with? It's a complex thing. I don't have answers. I have lots of questions. Yeah, I can definitely see those questions rising up, and it does seem like it's um, an extremely complex thing when you put all the details kind of together and everything. I guess the next question would be, 
when you see like companies like Facebook wanting to go into this space, um, there definitely is going to need to be some kind of like regulation and moderation of things like this. What do you think that's going to be like for these types of companies? Well, that for me is is I think pretty ch- for for perhaps your your audience as well. There are some real challenges there in that if we if we start actively engaging in moderating these virtual environments, and Facebook has been very candid. I mean, they 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 have outed themselves and said, hey. We are constantly monitoring these virtual spaces to identify behaviors that are not in the community's best interest. Okay? So if I'm, if I'm walking down the physical street in my, where I live, if I'm walking down and on the sidewalk, I'm not walking down in the middle of the street, but if I'm walking down the sidewalk and I decide that I'm going to... Um, start dancing down the middle of the street. What happens? Well, there's going to be somebody who's going to, you know, call 911 and the cops are going to come rolling through and they're going to say, sir, why are you dancing down the middle of this, you know, two lane road with traffic? You, you can't do that. Um, if I'm in a virtual space and I have, a company saying you can't do that in a virtual space that where no one's getting hurt, is that a problem? And I use that as kind of a, an analogy, and it may not be the best one, but you know, what power, and this goes back to your question with Facebook, what power are we ceding to a private company to control what happens in the day-to-day of virtual spaces? And is that a good thing? Or is that an Orwellian thing? So it's kind of like a government implementing uh, their rules, but instead of a government, it's a business. Right. And what's what's the motivation of any business? I, I say any. Yeah, right? Let's be honest. Uh, people don't go into business as a general rule. I'm not talking about nonprofits and so on. But people don't go into business to lose money. They go into business to make money. So the motivation of Facebook in the metaverse, where every single and, and this is something that your listeners may not be familiar with, but every single thing you do, what you look at, what you listen to, what you spend time engaged in, you had a ch- chance to either be in a virtual museum or in a virtual bar, where are you? Um, all of the, these thousands and thousands of data points um, are potentially up for grabs when you have a company like Facebook that has questionable privacy practices in the past in a 2D world, in a flat world, when they can observe 
everything that's going on in a 3D space, the things that I mentioned, do you think that they are going to use that information to not make money? No, they will. And it's kind of contradictory to like how a government is assumingly supposed to run. While capitalistic governments usually want to go and protect the people, right? Correct? Of the, their well, citizens. That, that's the theory. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's the theory. <laughs> um, but would that kind of come across from a business's standpoint too? Like, I mean, that that becomes a little bit questionable, doesn't it? It does. And and even more than that, it's more insidious than that. And and I don't want to dissuade anybody from from experimenting and, and getting involved in VR because they're just I'll I'll just go on record and say there are so many incredible use cases for VR that you know everything from you know I've worked with veterans with you know using V. VR for PTSD therapy to help them deal with things that they've experienced to, you know, I mentioned simulation and training earlier. You know, Walmart is just one example of that. Um, so there are these tons of potential benefits for these, this technology. But when I say it with Facebook being kind of the scapegoat here, but um, when, you, when you give a company like that the ability to not only harvest all of this information about what people are doing in these virtual spaces, but more in a more insidious way, presenting them with information and visual stimuli that leads them to engage with products and services and people, et cetera, and thoughts that are in that company's best interest, AKA it is, focusing people to contribute to their bottom line. You know, we've, we've got a tool that has the potential for some serious, um, I can't use those words on air. Um, we'll just say manipulation that, that the level of manipulation when you're engaging all of the senses at once becomes disturbingly profound. And that that's, something that I think we need to go into this whole metaverse discussion and, and this next generation of human machine evolution with our eyes wide open and asking some of these really tough questions. Because if we don't, um, it, it, we're going to find ourselves in a dystopian world, virtual world, that I think is going to have be populated by unauthentic people and some of the problems that we've seen manifest in just social media uh, in this in a flat space 2d space are going to seem like <laughs> like nothing in comparison to the, the challenges that we'll face in the metaverse yeah these are some definitely uh, <clears throat> definite topics that we should really think about questions about it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Where could people find you online again, John? Uh, best place to find me would be to follow me and, more importantly, follow the, the people that I follow because they're the real bright bulbs in the room at John, J-O-H-N underscore Westra uh, on Twitter. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break.
Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with John Westrom. We've been talking a lot about how uh, companies like Facebook are moving into the uh, metaverse space. And uh, in about a week or two or so, Facebook is going to be doing a name change and kind of redirecting their whole efforts into this metaverse. And um, the news says they're going to be hiring tons and tons of different developers to go out there and uh, move forward for these efforts. Um my question is to you, John, what do you think this rollout's going to look like? How soon do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to become mainstream? What do you think that rollout's going to look like? How do you think people are going to get into their avatars? And um, what's your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, when a company like Facebook publicly announces that they're going to hire 10,000, 10K, new developers in the EU and completely rebrand themselves to be a metaverse company, you know, that thousand pound gorilla is on the move and it's not happening in a year or two years or three years. It's happening beginning in months, weeks, months. And once that movement starts, um, and we've seen this with other industry trends as well. And, and honestly, to be very candid, you know, in 2006, um, 
VR had a big wave of interest that I mentioned Second Life as a platform before. Um, you know, companies came to Second Life and built out a presence in Second Life. The challenge was is the technology really wasn't up to the challenge and they couldn't get people onboarded and et cetera. We're now flashing forward and Facebook making this announcement, how many literally billions of people is Facebook connected to so that when they say that they are now going to do this and have this be a major emphasis, we're talking about a huge narrative that everybody is going to be exposed to. What's that going to do? What does a company like Microsoft do when faced with that kind of competitive challenge? They themselves are going to rise to the occasion. Um, Microsoft being just one of those companies, Apple would probably be even more of a something to look at in the next six to 18 months. uh, We're going to see Apple roll out their own um, mixed reality. We don't know whether it's going to be exclusively VR or AR. We're, We're thinking it's going to be both platform and, you know, Apple has enough money to buy most countries. So if they're staking their future, Facebook's staking their future on this, and Apple is is looking at this as the future and has announced this as a future, it's everybody's going to have an incentive. Every company, every individual who is engaged with brands is going to have an incentive to enter the metaverse and and take part. It's huge. It's a huge wave. Uh, if they're hiring tens of thousands of people, that's going to be like billions and billions of dollars just in payroll alone, isn't it? It is. And there's speculation on why they're doing that. And even that speculation points to how big this is. If, if, if Facebook is hiring these 10,000 people to kind of uh, cut off competition, in other words, there's a limited supply of um, XR, which is... AR is augmented reality, VR is virtual reality, XR is kind of a term that's used to describe that both of those together. There is a limited supply of people who can develop and create these kinds of experiences. So, you know, some people believe, and I'm not beyond believing this, that one of the reasons Facebook has said that we're going to hire 10,000 people in this space is because they don't want those people working on other people's products. <laughs> um, but whether it's to stifle competition or whether it's they really believe they need 10,000 people to build out their vision for the metaverse, yeah, that is a huge commitment. Huge commitment. Yeah, and again, that is going to, that's going to catalyze everything else. You know what would be cool if once they actually rolled it out, if the default avatar was built in to be as close to your actual like Facebook profile photo as possible because Facebook is probably the closest that people are to their own personal selves online. It, and, and that's an interesting point. Um, I actually wrote an article, um, a LinkedIn article years ago and talked about the fact that Facebook's um, had a policy for years about account authenticity. 
that y- you you had to be the person you were on your Facebook account, uh, even requiring a driver's license to approve it. And back in the day, there were a lot of people who were kind of the, the bleeding edge, leading edge people involved in uh, the metaverse who had created profiles on Facebook for their avatars. They, that, and the avatar persona was what that Facebook profile represented, and Facebook <laughs> purged them. They went through and said, no, 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 can't do that. Now, my belief is they did that because they couldn't monetize it. They, they can't sell somebody using a you know, social graph, social graph and all of the data that they collect on people, you know, where you live, what your job is, what kind of car you drive, et cetera. If, if an avatar persona is completely separated from the real life persona, then that data has no value. So why are you on our platform? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But then yeah, also right? Facebook has a lot of scrutiny from the government as well, and people pay close attention to what they do. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, 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 see, it's an old joke. You know, if you, you meet somebody new in VR, um, it, the likelihood of that person being a spook. <laughs> is pretty high. You know, if if somebody comes and seeks you out and you've never, you know, they're not in your social graph, social graph and you don't know them, you know, who are these people? And um and for good, you know, there's there's some good reason behind that. I mean, there one of the we talked about nefarious uses of VR um earlier. Uh there have been a lot of shady groups that have used VR um, and we talked about simulation and training as being one of the positive uses of VR. Well, um, how do you feel about Al-Qaeda setting up a virtual training <laughs> simulation and training facility in, in virtual reality? You probably want to know who those people actually are in real life, right? So the yeah. yeah, answer is yes. So, yeah, it seems like it's going to bring a lot of different challenges, um, some opportunities, too. So it's going to be a mixture of things, and it's definitely a thing that a lot of people should go into authentically and being their true selves. But then only reality is going to show whether or not, only time is going to show whether or not people go into this being their true authentic selves or if they're going to hop into with different avatars and so forth. So we can't really predict exactly what's going to happen. Hopefully a lot of uh, these questions are being asked within these large companies who are taking these efforts to move forward into the metaverse, and they're really going to help create a more pleasant, unique, uh, authentic experience as opposed to a dystopia one, but that's something we can only hope for. We don't actually know which way it's going to go. Yeah, and and I think, again, as a for your listeners and your audience, it's really important that, and we've been talking about some dark things associated with, you know, this poten- potential, but there is so much good potential. Um, things as simple as, you know, if you have an authentic friendship or business relationship with somebody, I have in my profile that, um, you know, I have literally became friends with and had relationships with 
business and personal individuals from around the world um, in the last 15 years, thanks to VR. Um, you know, one of my earliest experiences was sitting in a press conference um, in VR next to somebody from Nigeria who was there and interested in the topic as much as I was. And I would have never been able to literally rub shoulders with this individual except for the fact that we were both in this VR space together. So there's this incredible potential for brands and for individuals to authentically engage with other people um, from across the spectrum of nationalities and gender and age and everything else and form these positive, collaborative relationships that enable us to build cool things and come up with solutions that we would not have been able to do before. And I think for your listeners, that's really got to be my pitch uh, in terms of the metaverse is, you know, be that, be, be the people that, you know, Leonard would encourage you to be in terms of being authentic and ditching the act and find like-minded and, and, and unlike-minded, very honestly, people using these tools wherever they are in the world and do cool stuff, make cool things and bring us as a, as humankind closer together rather than farther apart. Yeah. And I think another cool thing is like two people I know they're currently in relationships because they met each other on league of legends, which is uh, kind of sort of in that direction of how things are going. But, yeah, there's a lot of possibility that could really come from this. You can find relationships. You can find business contacts. You can find things to build and create. There's so much potential that could come out of uh, uh, this metaverse that's kind of being evolving. And hopefully things go in that kind of direction and less towards a dystopian type of world. But it's about time for us to end the show. Uh, where can people find you again, John? Again, find me on Twitter. Would love to uh, have you as a follower and follow you if you've, you've got interesting perspective. And I know there are a lot of you out there in your in your audience, Leonard, who, who I would probably love to follow. You can find me there at John, J-O-H-N underscore Westra, W-E-S as in Sam, T-R-A. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And thank you again, everyone, for joining in for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.